So as you can see there on the bulletin, I, I trust that you received a bulletin when you came into the building. And you can see there on the front of the bulletin that the, the title is, has to do with fear. And I don't think I probably was gripped with more fear ever in all my life than on that late evening of September 24th, 1987, when my wife had been in labor just for a few hours, maybe four hours. And they had called in a surgeon, an emergency surgeon and a surgical team. And they took me aside in that room, you know, the kind of room that is a council room where the doctors meet with you, just you and the family. And the head of the surgeon team took me aside and and I went into this room with him. And my wife had been in labor for four hours and things had gone sideways. And he explained that the placenta had ruptured in the quarters around our first child's neck. And that she was just about not making it, the baby. And now my wife was in duress. And the head surgeon asked me this question. Who do you want us to save? The baby or your wife? And, and, and of course, I responded. And, and then the next, of course, you know, hour or two hours took place. And, and I'm thinking about fear. And I cannot think of a time that I was more gripped with fear. And you've heard about our special needs daughter, Courtney. And she's now going to be 30 this September. And, of course, my lovely wife. And, and so they both survive. But I cannot think of a, a time that I was more gripped with fear than that moment. When I was faced with a very difficult decision. And then, of course, the anticipation or really the anxiety of waiting to, you know, hear about the consequences. Fear is very much a part of life. How many agree with me this morning on that? Fear is, is very much a part of life. And, and it's fear that, that often keeps us from starting, you know, that new thing. Sometimes, you know, it's fear that prevents us from starting that new degree. Or maybe it's fear that, that prevents us from stepping out on that new adventure that we've always wanted to take. But, you know, there's just enough fear that we, we really haven't taken the step that's necessary. I mean, life, fear is a part of life. And we, we have to deal with it and, 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 and wrestle with it and, and process it. I understand that. I, 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 w- I love the response of, of Jack Nicholas. one of the things that he said in, in regards to the idea of fear. In fact, the story is, a few years ago, in a Birmingham, Alabama Bama paper, there was a headline on the sports page, and the headline read, The Most Exciting Moment of My Life. And it showed a picture of Jack Nicholas writing out a $5,000 check. In fact, it was the second $5,000 check that he had to write out. And what had happened is he had volunteered to be a part of a game that cost $5,000 to enter into and play a golf game, of course, and down in Alabama in, to benefit a boy's home. And so, of course, he he paid the five thousand, went to the golf game, played the golf, and then they had a banquet afterwards. And it was during the banquet that a man in the back of the banquet hall said, "Hey, Mr. Nicholas!" After Jack Nicholas had finished speaking, he said, "Hey, Mr. Nicholas, I hear you play a little golf." And Jack Nicholas said, "Yeah, I've been known to play a round or two. And the man in the back says, "Well, I I want to challenge you to a game of golf." And Jack Nicholas didn't know what to say because he's looking at this guy and he is stone. Cold, blind. 
His name's Charlie Boswell, and Charlie Boswell in 1938 played in the Rose Bowl. He was a superstar football player. He ended up in World War II as a captain for an infantry, and, and it was during that time in World War II that he stepped on a landmine, and his eyes were blown out, and he lost his vision. But Charlie Boswell has taught himself how to play golf. He can play, he can play par golf for nine holes. What he's learned how to do, he has, a, he has a, a caddy that goes ahead of him and rattles the flag, you know, the pin in the hole. And he can hear that at a long distance. And he imagines, they said, how, how do you do this? He says, well, I get a picture in mind. I imagine where the sound is. All the other senses kick in. And this guy, this blind guy, can actually play par golf for nine holes. Well, so he challenges Jack Nichols, uh, Nicholas, and he doesn't really know, you know what to say. And, and then Charlie Boswell said to him, he said, tell you what, he said, if, if you beat me, I will give the boys home another $5,000. Charlie Boswell said that. But if I beat you, Mr. Jack Nicholas, then you have to pay another $5,000 to the boys home. And so Jack Nicholas said, you're on. Charlie Boswell, he, he added, he said, you know, you can make this fun and exciting. You can choose the course. We'll play any course that you want, but I get to choose the time of day. <laughs> And uh, guess what time of day that Charlie Boswell chose? He chose to play the game at night on a golf course with not a light on it. So the end of the story is Charlie Boswell beats Jack Nicklaus in a game of golf. And, of course, there's the caption there. There's the photographer, and they're taking a picture of him writing out his second, Jack Nicholas writing out his second $5,000 check to the boys' home. And the caption, what he had said, is the most exciting moment of my life. The reporter asked Jack Nicholas, he said, why? I mean, how can you say that this is the most exciting moment in your life when you've won the Masters, you've won trophies, you've won all kinds of money, all kinds of accolades? And Jack Nicholas response, he says, because it's the most exciting moment in my life because I met a person today who refuses to let fear control his life. Refuse to let fear control his life. I mean, we understand that fear. It has an effect. I mean, the fear of failure, the fear of the unknown, or maybe the fear of what other people might think or what they might say. Or maybe it's the fear of embarrassment that prevents us from taking, you know, those next steps or maybe the fear of the same results. Why should I, you know, why should I come forward? Why should I make another commitment? Because I'm just going to let God down. And so it's this this whole idea that the enemy uses. And by the way, the enemy does use it. He uses fear to to keep us from moving forward. He uses fear to take away our hope. He uses fear to certainly blur, blur, blur our focus on the future. I like what one man said. He said it this way. He said, fear and faith cannot exist in the same space. And so we recognize that fear. Amen. We recognize that fear, it always leads itself and leads us to self-destruction. In fact, I have some passages I want to look at today. So if you have the word, I, I trust that you brought the word with you, always bringing the Bible with you. So go to Luke with me today. We go to Luke chapter 22. And we're going to be looking at a couple passages in Luke together. And then we're going to jump over to Acts chapter 5. So bear with me as we kind of just stand on the word this morning. That's what we want to do when we, we're saying, okay, God, what is it that you have to say to us today? So we go to Luke chapter...
chapter 22 and around verse 6 there. Well, let's begin at verse 1. Let's back up. Go to verse 1. Luke chapter 22, looking at verse 1. And we're going to read through verse 6. And really, this is about Judas. Again, we're talking about fear. And so we're looking at Judas and uh, what he's facing there in his life. So let's look at Judas, or excuse me, Luke chapter 22, verse 1. Now the festival and the unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus for some for they were afraid of they were afraid of the people. So what what are what are we looking at here? So there's fear, obviously fear on their part. And we're looking at Judas, but there's also fear on the other side in regards to the chief priests. They're afraid of the popularity that Jesus was gaining and that he uh, his voice was being heard, so forth and so on. Then Satan entered Judas called Iscariot and one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Let's pray. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for the word today. I pray that your blessing, your anointing would be upon it. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have, not only as an individual to look at maybe, you know, the the influence of fear in our own life and how sometimes that fear holds us back from really being all that you've called us to be. But how maybe that also plays into this house, this house of the Lord, this this body of Christ and how even as the body of Christ that we can sometimes have have fear that prevents us from rising up, Lord, to be in the church that you've called us to be. And and so I I pray that you would just speak to our hearts today, that you would move us and and maybe, you know, maybe. Somebody would awaken out of their slumber this morning and we would become awake to what it is that you're calling us to do, calling us to be as your church and that you'll be glorified in that calling. And so, Father, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen.